0: Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Well, the first thing I want to say is, Happy Father's Day. What an amazing, what an amazing position, you men who are fathers have been given by the Lord. It is truly a gift from him to be a father. And being a father does not necessarily mean that you uh, procreated. It may mean that somebody has come in under your wing unto him or to her you are fathering. But I do have some news to share with you this day that should surprise none of us. But unfortunately, we have to start with that because of the weight of this. As I was preparing for this word, and truly, I have not had such difficulty ever in preparing to speak or to teach a word. And yet I was up late into the wee hours of the morning. And even when I woke up, the Lord said, no, 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 change this too. I was like, okay. And my husband was scurrying around saying, again, you're gonna change that. I said, it's not me, it's not me, I promise. Last week when I finished, I thought I was. But the Lord has something very specific for us and for you who are watching. Because it's by appointment that you are watching today. So I wanna share this stuff with you first. Data from the United States Census Bureau shows that nearly 18.5 million children grow up without fathers, and that in turn has led the United States of America to own the title of the world's leader in fatherlessness. Even when I read that, my heart was pierced. Pierced. That's such a thought. We have the staggering statistics that show that the destruction of the nuclear family has devastated communities across the nation. 85% of children and teens Eighty-five percent that have behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Seventy percent of adolescent children with drug or alcohol treatment centers, that go to drug or alcohol treatment centers, seventy percent come from fatherless homes. Do you begin to hear what the Lord is telling us even through the ways that they gather this information. This is not biased, but we should be. We should be biased for God, for God. Remember when we used to say things like, God bless America, and we'd be able to openly pray wherever people would gather and slowly Slowly it has deteriorated till we are again the leading nation, but in an area we don't want to lead. Fatherlessness. Why are families being destroyed and why is America leading this breakdown? Well, in short, it's because America has turned her back on God and his ways and has replaced him with all manners of evil and we dare to call it good you know marriage was the very first institution that god placed on the earth i mean you can find it in genesis the beginning in chapter two you're not too far in he created and then he said marriage it was by his design a man and a woman hello Any alterations from that is not of God. A man and a woman, and when they are joined as one, they can have children. And the man was to lead the family, and his relationship with God was to be shown through his trust and obedience in him. You know, we have Abraham, we call him Father Abraham. Uh, as an example, and his trust in God was so great that when God told him to take his promised son, Isaac, and offer him as a burnt offering, some of you have heard this just recently, a burnt offering means that it is turned into ashes, nothing left. Abraham had the trust in god and had the obedience in god to take his son isaac and build the altar get the fire ready put everything and 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 have isaac get on there but let me show you the example of fatherhood in this because isaac had grown up in a house where abraham had put god first above all else So that when this son, and I I hadn't really planned on this, but I just got told to. um, Yeah, Mom, would you step up here for me for just a moment? They estimate that this might have been about the age that Isaac was when he took him up that mountain. What about this size? <laughs> Do you think I'm going to have a hard time tying him up and throwing him up on the altar? Yeah. You've got to be strong. No, I wouldn't have to be strong. The father had to show you. Isaac's father showed him such faith and such obedience in God that when he said, Isaac, I'm going to tie you up and you're going to lay up here. Isaac knew to trust. Thank you. He knew to trust. And for those of you who may not be real familiar with the story, Abraham was ready to go through with, um, cutting him and draining him of his blood. And, you know, he said, angel came down and said, Abraham, Abraham, no. And it ended there being a father is not just a title being a father is not just a task being a father is necessary and god-given god designed the position and he gives examples of how to be the best father you can be and then he writes it down for us, because how many of you can remember what you had for lunch three weeks ago? Yeah, me either. I'm not sure I could tell you that yesterday. <laughs> but it is, it is something we need to know. And he said, that's okay, I know you're not going to remember. I'll write it down for you and then you can pick it up and read it whenever you need to be reminded. And each time you pick up my word and read it, I'm gonna show you something new, something exciting, something more that you're ready to handle now. That's the kind of father we have. He's our first example. And he's given us the Holy Spirit as well who leads us into all truths. And I loved what um, Pastor Mohan was here the last few days. And for those of you who had the privilege of hearing him on on Thursday evening, I thank you for taking the time to come. And it was quite a blessing. He was sharing with us later after the service that most people, when they think of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit as a comforter, that the word comfort is actually a military word. And it means in the translation, it's comforte. Take, take it, taking the charge, taking the fort. We think it means like, huh? You know, he's going to let me lean on him and cry. And he's like, oh, oh, no, it's going to be more than that. I'm going to show you, I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to break through for you. That's who he loved us. But I want to share with you a couple of things, because the men I, he- I see in here, you know, you've been walking with the Lord long enough to know where to find examples of him in the Word, to help you at the time when that child that shows up at the breakfast table and you wonder, what stranger is this? And where did that behavior come from? You got that from your mother, I'm sure. And when we go to the Word, as I did, because this was planned some time back before the pastor's sabbatical was planned that indeed I would do Father's Day. As I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I always get Mother's Day and he always gets Father's Day. And at the beginning of the year as he was putting together his schedule, I said, hey, let's switch. Little did I know what the Lord had in store for me. But he had me look at two men in scriptures that were men whom we would have expected to do well. Men who we know knew the Lord, but men who still, for different reasons, and I'm going to tell you those reasons, failed at fatherhood. The first father is a man by the name of Eli. Eli was a judge at a time when Israel was ruled by judges. And a judge was someone whose ear was to the Lord, so when the people came to him for advice or to settle disputes, he would not speak from his own knowledge or his own heart. He would listen to what the Lord had to say about it, and then he would give them that advice, and then that advice would be taken, or should have been. And Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phineas. And as Eli grew older and the people became more disgruntled or demanding or whatever he felt it might have been, he brought in his sons. It seemed reasonable, doesn't it? If a father has a business to hand it over to the son, it seems like the right thing to do. Nowhere in scripture do I read. Well, actually, I did because Eli was from a line of men who served as judges and so he just expected that his sons would be too. and i was all right with what he did eli did listen to the lord except in this area you see his sons were scoundrels the people would come to the temple to bring their their offering And to give to the Lord was what what was required by law. And they didn't like that. They didn't want to have to have that meat after it had been boiled. I want it fresh. The people knew. No, 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 please don't do that. At least burn the fat off. But they would um, coerce (laughs) the people into doing what they wanted. Now, the thing about what they were doing, not only were they stealing from the people, they were also sexually active with the women who worked with them or around them in inappropriate ways. There were women who worked in the temple, and Hophni and Phinehas would have their way with them, too. They were disobeying the sacrifices God was supposed to have, and the people went and complained to Eli. And they told him about what his sons were doing. Eli knew, but he never corrected his sons. So I have to think about that. What would cause a man who hears the voice of God, who knows the laws of God, who stands in a position of God, what would cause him to not correct his sons? Well God had he knew he had a word with Eli and he said here's here's what's up Eli you know what your sons have been doing you know and you chose them over me remember i told you about abraham and we call him father abraham and he was blessed and all those who follow after him are blessed because of what he has done. Total obedience, total trust. And Eli wanted to negotiate. Come on, God, is my boys here. No, I'm your God. So God said this to him. He said, you turned purposely a blind eye to what your sons were doing and I am going to now remove you And them and there will not be any more after you that will have this position anymore your family ends here and you're gonna know that it's me and you're gonna know that I'm the one who did this because it's all going to happen in one day and sure enough in a battle in one day Phineas and Hophni were both struck dead The Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines. And Eli at least had the sense to be concerned about them having taken the Ark of the Covenant because it was their great idea. Oh, hey, we can win if we take that. And it was stolen. And when he got the news, he fell over dead, was overweight, and broke his neck. So... And as if though that wasn't enough, even on the same day, Phineas' wife was due to have a child. She gave birth that day and died also. God is not a God to be mocked. I want fathers. I want all of your fathers to understand what God has blessed you with. What God has granted you and given to you. What he has told you, he's burdened your heart with this. He has trusted you with his own. And it's not enough just to let them do whatever they want to because I'm afraid if I try to correct them, they'll, no, you can fill in the blank. They won't like me anymore. They'll run away from home. They'll, want or no? know, spit in the mud. It doesn't make any sense, because what God has said is show them who I am by our relationship. Because pastors already told us, and we know this so well. How do children learn? Example, example, example. So if you, Father, are not in the Lord in your life, if you allow anything else to be more important than Him. It's what you're teaching your children, which goes back to the statistics that I told you at the beginning. We lead the world in fatherlessness. We used to lead it in relationship with God. Pastor Mohan has uh, traveled around the world, and he said that there are two nations that he's ever been to, that he realized the entire nation was blessed and it just awed him. He's from India, in case you don't know. And he said the first nation that he visited and he realized God has blessed this place was Israel. And the second nation he came to and he said, surely this is God's land, was America. But do I need to tell anybody things are going kind of awry right now? So, the other father I wanna share with you this morning because I, what I want you to hear about Eli is don't fear correcting your children. Don't fear it. If God is leading you, never choose them over your God. The other one's a little bit more surprising for me i a little bit more detailed as far as the background of him. But how many of you are familiar with King David? Yes. You see, um, when Eli was removed, God put a, a young boy by the name of Samuel, who was chosen at a, at a very young age to be a man of God and he put him as the judge over the people, and um, there was a lot of political unrest going on in um, Israel at that time, and they decided, you know what? We, we don't like this situation anymore. The way God has chosen to lead us He talks to one guy, and the one guy tells us, we don't want that anymore. God's God's not got this right. He obviously doesn't understand. Before we say anything about them, we need to look at us. But he said this. They said this to Samuel. Sorry. They said this to Samuel. We've looked around, and we see all these others they have a king a human manly king who will lead us out into battle that's what we want that's what we need if we have a king it'll be good <laughs> don't we say that at every election so samuel was like i don't know about this and god said no 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 no. i'm going to show you how to do it and i'm going to show you it's okay it's not you they're rejecting samuel it's me So he went and he anointed a man by the name of Saul, the first king of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, the son of Kish, a very wealthy and influential man. And at first, Saul did everything pretty good. I mean, he leaned heavily on the advice Samuel gave him. What's God saying, Samuel? What does God want me to do? But then he won a few little battles, and he got a little bit of stuff underneath his belt, and he started walking around a little cockier, and pride took over. And then he didn't need to listen, much less obey Samuel. And Samuel had given him very specific instructions about a certain battle. And he said, I'll be there on the sixth day. And, or whatever day it was, might have been 7th. But whatever the time that, that Samuel told Saul he would be there, Saul thought, well, where is he? He's not here. I know he told me to kill everything. I know he told me to destroy it all. But, um, no, we're going to, oh, look at that donkey. I want that one. You want one? How about some of those cows? Look at the sheep. They've been feeding well. Oh, I like that gold thing there. Can we have that? Although the instructions from God were, destroy everything. And Saul said, no. And God said, you're done. He didn't kill him like he did Eli and his sons. He allowed him to stay there. But he told Samuel, I need you to go get another one. David, young shepherd boy. And this is the political turmoil under which it was David's turn to walk in the path of God. But it was not a new thing for David to walk with God. David was a shepherd, a young boy. I don't have anyone here I could do that. Is Cohen still here? Cohen, with arms. Okay, how many of you have ever seen a live lion? Oh, you've been to the zoo, come on. I've had the privilege of one in the, in the wild, actually, and I wanted nothing to do with him. <gasps> Whatever you want. Now, here's Cohen. And he's got a lion coming up at him. What would we do? See you later. Yeah, we would run. But you see, like this, David already had a relationship with God. Wrote him songs, spoke of his love, and trusted him completely. So that when the lion came and tried to take one of his lambs, he was like, no doing. Now that (laughs) <laughs> staff, use your staff. And, it, and, and as if though that's not amazing enough in itself, how about a bear? John. Bear for me. There. See? I mean, when you have a visual, you can kind of put it together a little bit better. But this was the boy who knew God. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Made a good David and a good bear. That's good. So David trusted, loved, and obeyed God. He wasn't a perfect leader when he finally came into um, the throne, and that was an arduous, terrible journey. Saul went crazy. Actually, what happened was the Spirit of God left totally, and a tormenting spirit would come upon him. And <clears throat> it just kept getting worse and worse. But David, always through it all, trusted God and finally got the throne. And every time you saw David being described, he was always described as ruddy and handsome. And he must have been, because this man had wives, lots of wives. And um, he had, I think what I remembered was eight named, and others that weren't even named. Gentlemen, stick with one, trust me. It's too much. Two is too much, and three is, oh, uh, never mind. So, in addition to that, he had a lot of children. And this is the ones that I want you to hear. Each one of these come from a different wife. Amnon, Daniel, Absalom, Adonijah, and the rest I'm not even going to worry about. Nathan, you know, Solomon, you've heard of. And um, the skill to procreate children was certainly David's. But the skill to father them was not something he was so strong in. Do you hear me, gentlemen? And I don't really, the, the relationship he had with his children was like a keen to his subject. You make an appointment, or if he called for you, then you could go see him. And he knew them, he knew their names, but only if he wasn't in court or doing something else. An occasional visit. So I want to read for you out of 2 Samuel chapter 13, what I found when I was asking the Lord about Father's Day. Now David's son Absalom... Absalom was number three, Amnon was number one. Those are the two I really wanted you to, to pay attention to. Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, NLT. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar, He became ill. I guess that's the song, Sick in Love. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend. I had to stop there for a moment and think, where else was it that the Lord mentioned a crafty, oh yeah, serpent? a very crafty friend, his cousin, Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother, Shimeah. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, what's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? I thought about that for a moment. I thought, wow, I guess maybe Jonadab says to himself my dad was older he should have been the one that was picked to be king cuz to address you're the son of a king why wait do you hear jealousy in that i know i do Remember, it was that the Hebrews had demanded that God give them a king like their pagan neighbors had, so they knew the rules of monarchy and knew that next in line should be the eldest, not the youngest, as David was. So Amnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, I'll tell you what to do, said Jonadab. Hmm. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it while you watch and feeds you from her own hands. Sounds like a great plan for a lot of trouble. And Amnon took it, hook, line, and sinker. So Amnon laid down and pretended to be sick, and when the king came to see him, Amnon said, Please, let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as, as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. David agreed sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare him food. Hey, your brother wants you to go cook him and we will go. Would any of you have been able to see through this thinly? failed plan that made no sense remember amnon was the king of his son he had servants he had people who could what was tamar cooking i know what he was cooking a sweet reasonable When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone, get out of here, Amnon told his servants. So they all left. Then he said to Tamar, Now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, Come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done like this in Israel. You know, she grew up in a home. They all grew up in a country were following the ways of God and the law of God, was the way they did things. And she knew there was no room for rape. It wasn't a brother and sister getting together. Well, we can trace that back to Abraham. Because they are in the same position, half-sister, half-brother. That was Abraham and Sarah. So that was not the issue, but to forcefully be taken was... where would i go in my shame and you would be called one of the greatest fools in israel a king's son raping his sister come on please just speak to the king about it and he will let you marry me let's do this the correct way she wasn't like are you kidding me you no she was like no 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 i if we're going to become one, let's do it, the way that the Lord has always intended for it to be. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. But then, suddenly, Amnon's love turned to hate. And he hated her more than he had loved her. May I just tell you right away that was never love. It's lust. It was just greed. I want something I can't have. Get out of here, he snarled at her. Once he got what he thought he had been longing for, he despised it. Amnon was filled with an evil desire that disguised itself as love. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away is worse than what you've already done to me. Amnon would not listen to her. He shouted for his servants and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe, and put ashes on her head. Death. Death of her virginity. Death of her dignity. And she then, with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true? Has Amnon been with you? Well, my sister, keep it quiet for now since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard about it, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon because of what he had done to his sister. Did you see anything absent in what the scriptures told us? King David got mad. Okay, well okay. Yes. He should have. And and... well, I'm mad. That's great. King, ruler, head of the household, father. What a responsibility, men. It all honor requires responsibility. Okay. Two years pass by, and the hatred Absalom had for his half-brother only grows. I mean, you've got to think about this. If your daughter was raped, gentlemen, it's not an easy answer. There's not really a reasonable response. And what would you do if your daughter was raped by your son? A lot of turmoil, deception, rape, hate. Lives have been damaged and forever changed. Help is needed. There is no forced marriage by David, there's no public punishment for the crime, there is no apology or restitution for Tamar. There's a big problem here. So when I ask the Lord, what is, what is the situation? Why would David not take care of this? Everybody, you know that servant you. Absalom only had to see his sister to get it together. And don't you know Amnon and his behavior would have demonstrated it all. Tamar is locked up. She can't face anything or anyone. She's not comforted. Absalom's not comforted. Amnon's not corrected. Two years pass by, and the hatred Absalom has for his half brother only grows. So another secret plan is put into motion. Absalom goes to his father, King David, and asks permission to have a party with Amnon as the guest for dinner. And David wants to know why Absalom. Why Amnon, Absalom? I mean, he knows. Why Why do you want your brother? Why do you want that brother? But Absalom persisted, and the final agreement was all the brothers and the king come to my house for a party. And David agreed to it, but he said, I'm not going to come. At the party, Absalom has Amnon murdered in revenge for his sister's shame. The news that David receives is that all his sons have been killed. But in steps Jonadab. Remember him? And the crafty cuz. And he has the news that not all the sons were murdered. It was just Amnon. So Absalom runs away after he kills his brother. And he goes lives with his maternal grandfather. What is he longing for? The father figure. This is what I did, Granddad. Can you help me? David mourns for Amnon. Three years passed by. And now David is beginning to miss Absalom. That cost him a lot. Three years. Joab is. David's commander, and he says, Hey, I, I know you're missing Absalom. You should go get him. And he sends a woman in there with a story made up so that David realizes, Okay, I, I should be the one to ask Absalom to come home. Joab put you to, to this, didn't he, woman? And she said, Yeah, he did. And so he calls Joab. He says, Okay, go ahead and get him. So Absalom comes home dad's finally wanting to see me. Two years go by, two years. Two years after he's come home, he goes by. And remember I told you, you can't go see him unless you're asked or you've made an appointment. And Absalom is like, what is this? Why did he even bring me home? Joab, tell him I need to see him. If he feels that what I did was so horrible that he wants to kill me, I can take that. I just need my dad. And so David said, okay, bring him in. And he, he says, this, this is what the scriptures say. And the king kissed Absalom. It wasn't David greeted his son and hugged him. Absalom is (laughs) he's considered very handsome. Outdoes his dad. Only cuts his hair once a year. Is just a magnet for people. And he sits at the gate. He wins people over. He becomes the crafty one because he's so angry with his father. For ignoring the rape of his sister for casting him away and never having anything to do with him. Absalom later overthrows David. It's a bigger mess. And Absalom is eventually killed and David is restored to the throne. What a cost. Two sons and a daughter. Heartbroken. Is David it is the most difficult thing for a father to confront his children when they are wrong and he knows they are wrong he knows correction is needed and refuses to do it for fear for reputation for being too busy Fathers, let me tell you again. You are a father assigned by God. You have been entrusted with a child or children by God. And he has given to you this very special position. For our God is a father as well. No light manner, matter. It is important for you to realize that when we say happy Father's Day, this is title, this is position, this is responsibility. And without God, you will not be able to do it. Rise up, O men of God. Rise up. We do not want to be leading the world in fatherless homes. We want to be leading the world in relationship to our God. You're not, your role is not, <laughs> it's not easy, but oh, is it necessary? Because we see the problems of having fatherless homes. Let us this day declare to end them. No more fatherlessness. Help those around you. Restore your relationships with those that you feel there is no way to restore. There is. There is. For with God, nothing is impossible.